This is The LPV Show, a weekly discussion from the world of photography and photo books. Here is your host, Brian Formals. So we're here in Long Island City, Yoshi and Tamara. Yes, sir. You were with us in uh, the first season, in quotes we're calling it a season. Mm-hmm. Now you're back. And it's pretty timely because you got a book out. Yes, we do. Yes. And since I can't pronounce it, I'm going to have you pronounce it. We went through this already once, right? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's called Sumimasen. 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 And, uh, Sumimasen. So I, I've seen this project from, for a while now, because it's in the photographer's sketchbook too, which you're also a part of. Yes, yes, we are. Which is coming out here in a couple weeks. Which is a great very book. Very exciting. Thank you. It's getting I'm very happy to be in it. Good Facebook buzz. All the authors, yeah, just, all the contributors buzz. got. Wasn't it uh, on a recent um, like top photography book of the year list? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Telegraph? Telegraph. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations awesome. on that. Yeah, That's congrats. great news. Yeah, I'm, I'm still, I'm interested to see. I'm waiting for somebody to not really like it. I want to get, I want somebody to really pan it, you know, to yeah. go after it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Say something critical. Yeah. So how's your book going? How, so what, how many, what was the edition again on this one? It was edition, uh, put out by editions. Do, do LIC. Do LIC. Yes, and the edition is 460. 460, 460, 460 copies. I'm wow. not sure. Uh, we are not really sure, but we don't think so. I think so. Yeah, 460 copies is a... Is an odd number. It's an odd number. But right. I think the publisher likes the odd, odd edition numbers. numbers. Yeah. We like odd, so I'm into it. Good. Yeah. I think it's yeah. cool. So you let's talk about this project. So we've... Essentially, and I think I uh, might have messed this up in the last time we did the panel, but um, so you guys decided to document this Japanese webcam girl. Is that what we're calling her? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think um, she's somewhere between a porn actress and a webcam girl. Um, I suppose being a webcam girl kind of means that you're in the porn world somehow involved. But um, I, I think I prefer at least to call her a webcam girl um, because of uh, one of her sources of income is this thing that she does where she has four cameras in her apartment and monitor her 24-7. So you can subscribe to her channel, pay the subscription fee, and then watch her whenever you like, right. day in, day out. So that you guys are interested in that people who kind of live in public, but then also issues of like anonymity because you had her wear a mask. So that was kind of one of the conceptual... The conceptual elements element of, it, yeah. of the project, yeah. Um, I think the, the, the mask kind of represents uh, a few different things. One of them was that we wanted to emphasize the fact that, you know, it, it's, it's not your face that uh, constitutes your, your character, it's, it's your actions. Um, and, and there is a Japanese kind of phrase, uh, honne and tatemai. And I think that that basically means uh, interior behavior and public behavior, like private behavior and public behavior. And, and, and the literal translation of that translation of that is putting on and off a mask. Um, so we we have decided that we wanted to um, incorporate the mask in the project um, to to emphasize the ideas of a mask and the public and the private and how these two realms are intertwined. Right, because she doesn't really have a private life. I mean, isn't that sort of thing? She's always on camera. Uh, she is all, always on camera, and it, I think it also depends on what your idea of what privacy is. Right. Um, so, and then this also goes back, the interior space and the exterior space, the private and the public, is all wrapped up in the title, which is sumimasen. Mm -hmm. And sumimasen in Japanese means, excuse me, uh, sorry, 
or it's it's a sign of kind of gratitude. Like if somebody gives you a gift, you know, you would say sumimasen, mm-hmm. like, you know, you didn't have to go out of your way. Right. You know, something along the lines of that. So the the, the title, sumimasen, the word is basically only used in 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 kind of public interactions. Uh-huh. So if you have an intimate relationship, uh, you wouldn't use it with that person, uh-huh. you know, or inside the house. So it's 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 a it's another thing where you're out in public and you wear this public facade, and then you use this this public word. Um, so that's kind of where it all ties together. So where where did you find her? Uh, we found her through a friend. Uh, he's also a photographer mm-hmm. uh, that we met. Um, just on Facebook, <laughs> you know, and we, we went out to Japan and and uh, we, we contacted him and, you know, we met up and um, we asked him, you know, can you introduce us to to somebody? And, and then he, he uh, basically said, oh, I have the perfect person for you. So when you when you met her and explained it to her, she she got it. She was like she knew what you're doing or she doesn't really didn't really know about photography or. Uh, well, I don't think she was formula, formally educated in photography, mm-hmm. um, but she definitely is familiar with photography, um, familiar with you know uh, production. Um, she does a lot of magazine work, a lot right. of video work, and of course the webcam. Uh, she has her own blog with you know thousands of followers. Um, and so, so she's well aware of portraying an image of herself in the, the visual lens-based mediums. Right, and the um, visual language as well. Yeah. So we explained to her what we wanted to do. Um, and she was excited as she wanted to take part. And I think from the beginning, we all saw it as a collaboration mm-hmm. with her. And she saw it as a collaboration with us. So that's kind of how the how the project started. Yeah, I mean, you're really right in there. It's pretty intimate stuff. And you guys chose to do, shoot it with all disposable cameras. Yeah. That's um, kind of like, well, I don't, well, you, every project you guys do, you, you, you have the concept and then you kind of figure out how you're gonna shoot it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or is it yeah. not that methodical? <laughs> um, c- kind, kind of, yeah. Uh, it was definitely thought out. Um, and it's also, like you know you have a subject in mind and then you figure out all right what what is the aesthetic we're going for uh what kind of images do we want to capture um and what kind of like like uh you know technical skills do we need to capture these specific images like houses in japan are very small you know apartments are very small yeah um I mean, we live in New York, and we think our apartments are small, but right. you know, they, they literally live in like a box, yeah. like some of them, you yeah. know. Um, so, so using a disposable camera was very practical as well. Um, we, we wouldn't have been able to shoot with like a large format camera right. there. It was just way too small environment. But to you work guys in. have all—you've used. I mean, obviously, shooting a disposable camera doesn't, you know almost like the most simplest form of taking pictures. There's not a lot. But I mean, had you shot with him before and kind of knew what you were getting into or were you just like, well, we'll see what happens? Yeah, we shoot. Yeah, yeah. We, we've been shooting with disposable cameras for a while. I think it's one of those things that we like to keep in our pockets and just have it there. You can and, lose and it, lose you it. can drop it, you can break it, you can get water on them, you don't have to worry about them. So it's, it's like a nice, thing to have around um, and it's also like when we're going with when we're thinking about aesthetic and we're also thinking about a, the, the the visual language that we're using you know it's completely different from um, what we previously shot uh, we, we you know previously for in search of the crying lady we shot all large format mm-hmm. portraits landscapes still lives um, very controlled environments uh, still you know, based off of reality, right? Uh, but the the aesthetic and the language that we use was a bit different from our latest project, Sumimasen, which is a bit more of a snapshot aesthetic. Right. Uh, it's more of um, 
uh, like there's more action involved um, and there's more spontaneity involved. Uh, so, so there is a different type of, um, I guess, approach in storytelling when it comes to that and different type of information that you get with the different tools. So that's something that been thought about before actually going and to you shoot. and both of you shoot you both have cameras you're in there working I mean how is that how I mean is there a lot of communication between you or do you find that you pretty much kind of know what each other's doing and when when to go for your shot I mean I've done a couple shoot, sh like shoots with Paul where we were both like photographing the model and it was kind of weird you know you feel mm -hmm. like you're you know this poor girl and like you got these two guys flashing cameras at her <laughs> and it's like it's kind of a weird situation you know but how so how is it with you guys uh i didn't find it weird at all we we already discussed the aesthetic that we're going to use um it's 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 understanding the tool it's understanding the aesthetic it's understanding the visual vocabulary um and once we understand that then we know how to shoot, what to shoot, and then I think. But do you guys ever like give each other a look, like there's a shot or something like that, or is it all pretty much you're just doing your your own thing? Yeah, we not do. really. Yeah. I mean, maybe sometimes when I'm like at in one end of the room and he's at the other end of the room and I see something and I can't get there. I don't know. Maybe then, uh, but I don't even know if that happened. Yeah. Um, um, you're just kind of in photo zone. You're just in the zone and making pictures. Right? Yeah, yeah, definitely I think in so. the zone. Yeah, I mean, because it's kind of tough when you're out when you're observing, like when you're observing, take and making photographs and doing, focusing on what's in front of you. It's kind of tough to have your mind elsewhere. You yeah. know, yeah. definitely. I think that's so. It's once you get into that zone of where you're on the live wire, you're right there. I think it's. Yeah, I think also for me while we were out there, I mean, I don't speak Japanese and Yoshi does, so I didn't have a clue what was going on. So if Yoshi was talking to Mayura, mm -hmm. the girl in the project, I wouldn't know what's going on, you know, so I was very much freed from all uh, the all the other distractions yeah. and communications. I could just concentrate on whatever. So how many days did you happening. guys shoot? Um. I don't know, we spent about two months with her. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. so it's just like, you know, we would hang out with her. We wouldn't, it's, it's, the, it's not like a photo shoot. We, were, we would be hanging out and then we would do something, we would go out to eat and then we're like, oh, can you, you know, put the mask on? Uh -huh. We want to take a couple shots. And then we walk down the street and we say, oh, this is a nice area. Let's, you know, here's Okay, so here's you are directing her a little bit. We are, yeah, we're definitely oh. directing her. She's also suggesting, hey, you want to take a picture of me on the swing, for instance? Uh -huh. And I'm like, yeah, sure. And then she puts on the mask, you know, or... Uh, or she, she would be like, oh, I want to take you guys to my favorite place. And so we go to her favorite place, and obviously that's a significant place to her, so we oh, photograph cool. her there. Yeah. So, I mean, so... As I said, like it was a collaboration, and I think she wanted to be actively uh, involved yeah, and involved, participating yeah. in it. So well, that's really so she made suggestions for yeah. a lot of the Definitely. shots that ended up being in the book. And this process is like our, our research is basically the project, you know, like our relationship is to uh, Mayura, who is the subject, is is the project. Um, because we didn't know her before we started shooting, you know. We knew some things about her and what she she was uh, doing for a living, but that's about it. Um, during kind of like, we needed a road. We needed a path in order to, uh, we needed a path to walk down so that we're somewhat structured. So this path that we walked down was, let's get to know Mayura, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, they so, gave you the spine, like the spine. Yeah, they gave you yeah. the spine. On, right? Yeah, yeah. And 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 metaphorically, uh, this journey or this you know relationship is uh, oh, key. Oh, hey, yeah. Thank you, yeah. Olia. Yeah, you're the best. Um, so met so so, the physical act of photographing, and. Uh, uh, 
you know, going through this, this process of, of collecting images was to get to know her. And then in the back of our minds, we're thinking, okay, metaphorically, what is this process trying to say? And, th and then, you know, our main subject is privacy and identity, right. you know? So we're, we're kind of trying to reflect that off of our experience right. with Mayura. So I, there's, there's kind of this, uh, I don't know how you're gonna say it, trend or zeitgeist going around where they call it post-documentary or like docu-fiction or however you wanna call it. We're all, you're familiar with it, right? You know, yeah. it's taking more liberty with um, not necessarily being so dogmatically about like a documentary, but interjecting fiction and manipulating stuff and those sort of things. So do you think you guys fall in line with that? Because all of your projects, I mean, you, you play with that line between fiction, in documentary, using the documentary aesthetic, but you're also very involved, you know, in, in crafting kind of the narrative, you know. I mean, I don't know my 100% feelings on it. I think it's a, a one way to make it a little bit more academic than it needs to be at times. <laughs> but it's something that is definitely going around these days and being mentioned a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> um, yeah I, I think that the way we see our work is that it's, it's based in reality and we get inspired by things that happen in the real world, whatever you want to call okay. the real world. But um, I, I don't think that we ever saw ourselves being very dogmatic about what should be documentary and what shouldn't be in it. And Because um, you're working pretty squarely in art photography, right? I mean, this is, you're about, it's about making the books. It's, you know, this is the aesthetics, the concept. It's, you know. Yeah. Because no. like I wouldn't, I wouldn't put this stuff like this work into say uh, a newspaper. Right. You know. Right. Uh, I wouldn't call it um, a documentary and tell some kids to learn about what privacy <sighs> and identity right. means. You know, in a university, for right. instance. Um, <clears throat> they, I think they can still learn from it because we're saying something about it. You know, but if you want to call it a fact. Like, then we can just go deep and say something like, well, what is a fact? You know, <laughs> right, what is right. real? What is yeah. true? Right. You know, what is fiction? What is fact? You know? Yeah, like, to me, it really seems, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, like, it's, it's for critics and academics and the theoreticians, you know what I mean? Yeah. Writers who need something to structure a, a similar bodies of work. But I think for the mm -hmm. artists, they're not... I don't know, but we do think about it. We do talk about it. Oh, so is totally. it, you know, <laughs> I think it's really important. But we're not you know? hung up on it. No, we're not no. hung up on it. And and I think, I mean, the academic side, the theoretical side is extremely important in my mind. Um, I don't harp on it. Uh, I think it helps me expand my, my understanding of what photography is because it's such a, a new medium. I don't think any of us, even even the academics, truly understand what it is and, and how it, exactly it's affecting us. You know, technology is moving faster than we can, we can uh, catch up to it in terms of like understanding what it actually is and, you know, like I said, what it's doing to uh, our society and, and our relation to reality. Right. Well, not to mention that's how we're all here through the internet technology, bringing yeah, networked yes. communities together. And I think that's, I mean, that's kind of one of the things I want to do with the, the podcast too and the show is that it's really people that have come in, come to me through the network yeah. that yeah. I found through the network. And I think there's something interesting of pursuing that. Like I'm not, you know, we're not really necessarily interested in like we have to talk to all the famous photographers. No, we want to talk to the people that are, what are you, you talking know, about? We are famous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I said all of them. Oh, right, right, right. right. I said you, you can rewind that. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's like Tom was always catching me, like, making little digs at people. <laughs> what are you talking about? No, we really do like your pictures. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's, you know, I, I think it's... You have these small these groups of people that are coming together, and it's you know they become friends through Facebook. You get to know each other, and then 
I guess that's been going on forever. You know, kids go to school and they graduate and they hang out afterwards and you have yeah. your whatever. But um, now it's like global. Exactly. Exactly. You know. And um, I think, and there's, what's cool too is like I think there's all these little different networks popping up too mm -hmm. that nobody needs to be, you know, like you have to be a part of one big thing or you, right. I think it really is about the small little network. Definitely. And, 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 and that's and, where the most interesting like projects and ideas come out of, you know, instead right. of these large institutionalized right. uh, groups of, of artists or people or whatever it may be. But do you think it's also part like survival too? It's like you need other photographers. I mean, I've gotten to that point where I'm just like, those are my people. <laughs> if yeah. I think about this stuff day and night, I'm making pictures, I'm editing it. Who, who else is gonna like appreciate, relate to it? Appreciate yeah. it, relate to it. Yeah, yeah. they're our tribe. Or deal, yeah, or deal with the neurosis, you know, yeah. of, of having to put together these books. Cause you put together a book, you work on that for two months and then, you know, you put together the book and how long did it take you to make the book? Like a year? Uh, yeah, we worked on it for a little over a year. Yeah, um, we worked on it in stages. Yeah. So you do that and then you sit down and somebody pages through it in, in four minutes, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All your work and they go through it and then yeah. they throw it on the pile and look at another book. Yeah, you know? exactly. But if, I, if they can get it in those four minutes, then hey, yeah. you know, yeah, it's exactly. all worth it. You know, because yeah. there are people that get it, you know, right away and there are people that need to read either you know, uh, interview about it or hear an interview about it or, you know, read the intro or whatnot. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, and that's also, we, we, you know, I think sometimes photography becomes a bit too, uh, how would you say, like, inclusive. Inclusive and exclusive. And at exclusive the same time. at the mm -hmm. same time. Right. And, you know, I think we're trying to figure out a way where it doesn't have to be so highbrow, but at the same time have uh, the the content and um, the theory involved, but, you know, having everybody else relate to it in one way or another. Because um, there are a whole bunch of work out there that's, you know, either very heavily theory-based, and then there's others that are uh, very just purely aesthetic. Right. You know, and I mean, there's a place for both of it. Oh, yeah. And I yeah. appreciate both of it. And trying to combine that together is, is also another challenge. Um, I mean, we appreciate what you do just because you understand a whole range of photography, you know. Uh, and I could see that through, you know, your collection of images and also your writing and, you know, how you, how you view and how you talk about photography. So, um, Well, so, I think yeah. I came at it from the web, so it was... Oh, yeah. in the wild. I didn't study anything. So yeah, you, just, you did just whatever was a... coming in, you know. Yeah. And then once you get rolling down the path, it's photography was, I don't want to say it's an easy thing to learn the history, but you go to the library and you pick, get the books, you get Walker Evans, Freelander, you, you check out the books. And yeah. what's awesome about photo books is you go through it, it's like, I've seen Action. You know what yeah. I mean? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. seen Freelander. Yeah. yeah. And that's what, to me, is so explosive about photography. You get the right. 10, 15 books in front of you, and all of a sudden you have all this visual information in your brain. That's how mm -hmm. you start to build your vocabulary and your intelligence, and that comes out through the images subconsciously. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's like when you can get to that point where you're referencing stuff and you don't necessarily know that you're doing it, mm -hmm. I mean, that's kind of a beautiful place. And I think in this network landscape we are, we, ha we have so many different sources coming at us mm -hmm. and influences that we don't know how this is all going to mix together yeah. and we're sort of seeing it happen now mm -hmm. and i think that's what's really interesting and i think that's also what's interesting about the small little network groups that are kind of popping up they're getting together and they have their own references and their own language they're putting it out totally. so i think it is kind of a little insane for anyone to try to have a you know to grasp it in its totality mm -hmm. people yeah. are trying to do because that's where you they can get some sort of power or control over it, mm -hmm. but I just think it's folly, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know how you could ever deal with all of it. I don't know. It's, a, it's an exciting time. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about we uh, take a break and we'll come back and talk about a couple books? Fantastic. Sounds good.
pretty sure that nobody can pronounce your name <laughs> outside of Netherlands, so I think that we're fine. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll let you handle we'll it. Take, yeah, we'll, I'll take your word for it. We're back. We're going to talk about a couple books, and we were just trying to figure out how to pronounce uh, the artist's name on this first book. The name of the book is Pig 05049, um, and the artist... And I'll let Tamara <laughs> say it. So well, she I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, but I think it's a Christian Mindestma. So we'll go with that. I'm just going to read. The Dutch artist, I apologize for probably not pronouncing it. Butchering her name. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, running, it's a running thing on the show. I can never say the names right. So I'm just going to read a quick excerpt here so we kind of know what's up with the book here. Uh, Pig 05049 originated from my interest in the invisible lines that connect resources, products, and consumers around the world. In a rapidly globalizing world, it becomes increasingly difficult to discern these connections. For three years, I investigated the route traveled by a pig with ear tag 05049, a pig much like any of its kind. From a farm in the Netherlands, it went through one of Europe's largest processors of meat and byproducts to places all around the world. It was remarkable to me that at the beginning of the chain, considerable openness existed, but that Further along the chain, ingredients became more abstract and companies less accessible. Pig 05049 not only became ingredients to numerous products, but also supported the production process of many products such as bullets, alcoholic beverages, and metals. Well, that's crazy. That is crazy. So it's a whole, the whole following one pig and see where all the parts go, pig's essentially. Been, pig's been around. Pig's been around. Yes. And it has been around. It's, so it's a very scientific... It's a very Study. scientific, yeah. um, I guess, what would you say, encyclopedic book. Uh, it's, it's basically like a catalog. The aesthetics are very simple. Um, there are images. Uh, the book is made of images of the actual products that have been made. In uh, life size. In life size. In life size, okay. Uh, on white background, um, very flat lighting. Um, not, nothing to composition. Yeah, well, I'll just come right out and say it. Photos aren't exciting. They're not <laughs> exciting. They're descriptive. That's they're what, descriptive, you know, yeah. And that's what they're used, I mean, obviously, that's what they're used for to, to describe these products. Um, I mean, we like this book um, also, I mean, to, to kind of um, show that there are many different ways of using photography. You know, there's, there's some ways... Um, you can you can be you know artistic and creative in composition lighting, and and then you can just be like deadpan, right? Like like these images and still be considered as an art piece. Oh, it's like totally! A, it's like yeah. a catalog too. It's, yeah. It definitely totally feels like, like a catalog, catalog. Yeah. but it's so beautifully produced and designed that. It definitely feels like an art book, but an encyclopedia at the same time. Yeah, I mean, and it's you know very hitting on contemporary issues and mixes in science and food, which everyone you know, if you're in pretty much involved in the Western world, you're dealing with some sort of manufactured food in some way. Yeah, and also you know. you know it really makes a comment about what it actually means to be you know either vegetarian or. Vegan. vegan or a person that wants to eat only kosher or halal meat right. because a lot of the products that we do eat and consume every day do contain pieces of a pig. Yeah. I mean, it goes into everything, but it was all I mean, those products are crazy. I mean, yeah, I mean, they were glove. This, mean, this red wine you're drinking is probably has some pork in it as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unless it's vegan. I was vegan surprised wine. by the cigarette filters. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Um, I think they were saying that the, I don't know what element of the pig they use, but it's to make the filter more like an external lung. The hemoglobin. Yeah, hemoglobin, that's what it is. I think one of the really fascinating parts of this book is the pig heart valve that's actually used in humans and in human heart, um, which is really crazy yeah. when you think about it. Well, I'm glad they use the entire pig and they don't waste anything. But on the other end, I'm kind of terrified now of yeah, where I think, it ends up. I think there's know? just a lack of transparency when it comes yeah. to the products you buy. 
Yeah. Um, so I think that's and there's one, one lack of, the of points. Yeah, and there's lack of transparency uh, on the side of uh, the consumers, but also on the side of producers. So, right. you know, if you're a farmer, you wouldn't really have a clue what, what product is being used for. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's really fascinating to see a really like hefty book like this. Yeah, no, I'm into knowing it. Knowing that there's, I think there's 180 pieces. I just, on a of, book like that, I kind of put it into a different category. Mm. I put it outside, I put it into my con conceptual. <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm a picture guy, man. I like photo, like, yeah. you know what I mean? I'm, you know, it's probably a little classical, but like that's what I kind of like, I need to see it. Pictures, pictures. But I like this. Though. I mean, they, they, I mean, it does. Mean, but the I, thing is, they are picture pictures. Like, say, for instance, the, the, the book, uh, I think, was it Larry Sultan and some other guy? Evidence. 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 Yeah. 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 It's one of my favorite books. So that's like, you know, reappropriating images. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, and they weren't made for art. You know, right. they're archive images, like government, government archive yeah. images government of like, you know, roadside yeah. construction or some sort but of... But I think maybe it's the studios, you know, that studio kind of like one object or one uh -huh. you know, subject uh -huh. right there. Yeah. I'm not saying, like, I'm just saying, you, you look at what those are you photographs saying? different. Brian, what are you saying? <laughs> they're not exciting photographs. You guys, yeah, something, no, you I, think, I, something I, you think about. I mean, the book makes you think about it, and the conversation is probably often better than... Those images actually, make yeah. me excited. I think, I think, you're, I think you're really I right, <laughs> Brian. I think you're right. I think it's... Um, um, it, it's, I don't think that you're supposed to get excited over individual image. Right. Yeah. I think it, there would probably be something wrong with you if you did because yeah. they really aren't exciting. And yeah. I think that that's kind of the point. Like they aren't exciting. And then if, if exactly. you see them as a, as a whole volume put together, that's their impact. Uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, Tyron Simon's work that, you know, seen individually, taken apart photograph by photograph isn't exactly exciting and doesn't really carry much meaning in itself but when seen together as a whole piece yeah that's why we're discussing makes, photo books man and that's why we're that's discussing <laughs> they come together in the book and it changes the photographs exactly yeah, exactly that's the whole to me i mean when you get to a certain point i think when you dive into photography and you really want to go somewhere you end up i mean the book is is it the thing, you know? And I think you make a leap once you start thinking about your work finishing or ending up in a book rather than not knowing or just doing it. And you can kind of see pretty clear line in the sand of people that evolve and people that kind of die out and not ever evolve or do anything because they're not editing or sequencing photos in a book and they're not working that part of their brain. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I can't, you know, I stress it to you know, anyone I talk to, like younger photographers or what have you, and it's like, you have to even do it. Even if you, the book doesn't end up being published, you just make the dummy, you are thinking about them in a sequence, in an edit, how mm -hmm. it all works together. And it changes the way you think about pictures, it changes the way you work. So yeah, yeah I mean, it's Definitely. the book. It's, mm -hmm. the book. it's the book. It's the book. Yeah, it and as you book. go through that, you're kind of like, oh, I mean, that's, it's the horror of seeing mm -hmm. <laughs> the product. And like, that's when the image takes a pow. You're like, yeah. oh. This is from a pig. And yeah. Why am I looking at you know? And like I said, the other the other cool thing about this is that, like, everything is real life, like mm -hmm. uh, photographed to scale, mm -hmm. you know. So some things are fully on the page, and other things bleed off the side of the page. Um, Go to what's the last image in the book? The last image is the tail oh, of the, the pig. Tail? Yeah. Let oh, me geez, see. I, miss, I misread that image. <laughs> yeah. The, I completely misread that. And <laughs> I think there, there was a, I think there was a, either an interview or it's in the book, um, how like um, in the, you know, I guess manufacturing of pigs or farming of pigs, if they're left in a small pig pen and they get frustrated, they start to eat each other's tails off. Oh. Mm -hmm. uh, which is, you know, Got something well, horrible. Chickens oh. pecking at each no, other. No, so my, my, uh, half-brother, step-brother, he just recently moved out to the farm mm -hmm. and he raised a couple pigs and he's raising turkeys. And he said the turkeys 
are vicious to each other. Mm-hmm. They, they're hard to keep alive because they end up killing each killing, other. Really? Yeah. Wow. They're just mean and they have like, it's a very hierarchical social structure with the turkeys. Uh-huh. So I went out there when I went back to Minnesota and visited his little small farm and you know, he's way into raising these geese and these turkeys and uh, the pigs. And, 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 and he all... was, he said they had three pigs and he had a problem slaughtering the pigs because they got to know the pigs. And oh, the really? Friendly yeah. with them. Yeah. And then they were like, he seems like it was really tough. Yeah. <laughs> they're really intelligent creatures. Yeah, he's, he's like, yeah, he was like, it was like, it's like having a dog. They're yeah. dog. They're yeah. delicious yeah, as well. Yeah. <laughs> it was, the, ham, the ham we ate was the best ham I've ever had. It was amazing. <laughs> you know? I haven't had one since like 18 years. I had Tom doesn't eat, Tom doesn't oh, yes. eat the... Not, neither does Tamara. They're swineless. Oh yeah, the other thing. <laughs> the thing, the other the thing that Beyonce I like song. about it is yeah. that I mean these images are flat lit and they are like uh, visually a true representation of the actual item. But not only that, they made it uh, true to life size. So that's another element that they added to make it as real as possible. You know, yeah. to the to the main product. You know, like what is this thing? I'm not quite sure. Oh, it's the it's the internal organs, the stomach. You know, this one is just like bleeding off, like yeah, not bleeding, but like bleeding, like you know, going off the page off because the page, it, yeah. it they can't fit the whole thing on the page. You know, I look at that, and that picture you know. is kind of exciting. You so know. I, you know, I probably have to look at the book. At it. That's another thing with the yeah. photo book. You well, well, but, then, but then you look at this, and you're just like, oh, that's, that's not it's that a paintbrush. Exciting. It's a paintbrush. Yeah, yeah. it's a paintbrush. But then you know, there's that painting. I forgot who it was by, but uh, it was—it's a painting of a pipe. Of a pipe. Yeah, and it, and it says something like, "This is not a pipe. It's a pipe oh. on a white background." And then it, I think it's in French, and underneath it, it says, "This is not a pipe." It's not a pipe. Conceptual. Conceptual. Right. You know, but it's a similar aesthetic. Yeah. You know, which is something that you know. I guess it's taste. Whether you find it. Aesthetically well, pleasing it, or, or not. Whether it's not, I you know, you have to look at stuff that might not initially appeal to you. Yeah. Because like, then you're not you're not pushing like the, your like own. the pigtail. Like the pigtail. <laughs> sure it's a pigtail? That's not another part of the pig? Uh, well what did you what, what did you think it was, Brian? I don't know. What what does it, it look like to you? It's like that what is it, the raw shack test? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you see, Brian? I don't know what do you see there. I don't know. And nobody knows what we're, we're, yeah, we're talking about. They have no idea. What are you guys no. looking at? Yeah, so we shouldn't play that. Yeah, game. we shouldn't play that game. Yeah, you can only pick out so many to show. Right. Um, right. Well, we can put it. We can put it in the in the blog post, the Tumblr. But it, it is cool. I like the title of the book. You know, Pig O Five O Four Nine. Yeah, I'm glad. I, I'm you glad know. you guys brought it. I'm glad I looked at it. And it's enormous. Yeah. It's scary. How many pages? It's uh, 187 or something? Yeah, so it's, a, it's an index. Yeah, it's you an know? index. It's an index. It is an index. Index um, of a pig. And even, even within that book, the book is within the book. So the, the paper that the book is made from, the plastic and the glue oh, the pig and is the in ink. The book. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. No, no, the, the book is in the book. But then the plastic <laughs> the, they took a ear picture. tag. They took a picture of oh, the book because this book is made from pigs pig. as well. Oh. <laughs> you see that? Okay, I like that. Nice. That's but cool. that's not life size. That's the special edition. Oh, that's the special that edition. That was made from the pig skin. Ah, right. Oh, so this skin. is the special but edition. But the ear right? tag that's on the spine of the book, that's plastic, that's yellow plastic, is made from pig. Right. There is a pig particle in the plastic. Oh, that's weird. That is weird. That is but, you, weird. but you guys also brought another book here. And this is a book I have seen before that I yes. really liked. It's called A Drop in the Ocean. Mm-hmm. Sergio Romagnoli is the artist. Yes, yeah, so Sergio Romagnoli was the, the person that made all the photographs. The book was put together by two guys that curated it, whose names you can read yeah, it. Yeah, Alessandro Calabrese and Milo Montelli. Yes. So oh. those were the two guys that collected all the photographs and put them together and um, pretty much made the book so out should, of Sergio's photographs. Story here, right? Yes. So Sergio Romanoli was, um, I think he was a natural science professor who was murdered in 1994 at the age of 37 um, while he was living 
in a small at a small island off the west coast of Africa. Um, and the murder we'll has never, never been solved. solved. But so it remains a mystery. And he was so he was a he loved nature and he I guess loved photographing in and took a lot of photographs and uh, they are mainly of of nature but also of other things and um, so after his death there was this huge collection and this huge archive that that he produced while he was alive and then so these two guys got together and so it's a mix of fun. I mean, the photos are, you know, what you would call family personal snapshots. Some are in color. Then he has like the nature pictures, lots of flowers, black and white landscapes, some black and white, you know, snapshots, portraits. So it's a really mix of aesthetic too. He was kind of, you can tell, he was a guy who liked taking pictures and just messing around, which I can appreciate. I didn't um, know the story when I looked at it, and I just thought they were a bunch of different. Oh no, no. So it's this one guy and they're weaving this story together through his archive and I think we've, every episode we've talked about archives and how archives are becoming, uh, well, I just, I'm fascinated by archives. I don't know if they're becoming anything, but it, there's, it's, it seems, you know, how we deal with archives, whether they're being put online or people going and, you know, exploring archives and creating their own work, Vivian Meyer archive, you know, yeah. mm -hmm. and I think that's, it's, it's something really interesting because as a photographer, I'm fascinated by what you can kind of, how you can reinterpret your own archive and, and yeah. what's in there. Definitely. And the Absolutely. older you get, the bigger it grows, mm -hmm. you know, and there's so much stuff that you can do in there potentially. I don't know. Yeah. I think about some of those guys too, Nick DeWolf. I don't know. He was this old rich dude who traveled all around the world. He just took tons and tons of photos with. Uh, on Kodachrome, yeah. and when he died, whoever took over his estate like posted all of these photographs on Flickr. Uh -huh. It's like ten thousand of them. I mean, I don't even maybe like wow. eighty thousand of them. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, and he would shoot like the same scene fifteen times yeah. without change. And they put them all up on Flickr. Uh -huh. So you really got to kind of like go through to find the good stuff. And I'm just wondering, was it the same with this guy? Did they have to go through? Tons and tons of photos to kind of pick out the gems. I think they did. I'm sure yeah. they did. I think one thing that I really like about this book is that, I mean, I'm not under the impression that Sergio was, uh, was an artist. Uh -huh. I don't think that he ever really labeled himself as an artist um, or a photographer. Um, so I think it's, it's especially interesting when you're using an archive of someone who who wasn't an artist and who wasn't a photographer, but I mean, his photographs are so, you know, they certainly have a artistic quality yeah. to them. Oh, yeah. you know, I mean, they're beautifully an composed and beautifully lit. And he certainly understood uh, how to make photographs look good. And yeah, and I think it's just amazing that these two guys came together and decided to put his archive together as like a, yeah. I guess a whole match. A book. To his, I mean, because they're these, life. they're thinking about it in terms of a book. They see a pile of photographs, and how can we construct this in exactly into a book? And yeah. that's a whole different skill. I mean, it kind of goes back to the old, you know, can a photographer edit their own work? You know, or yeah. are they the, the, the worst? They're the worst editors of their work. You need someone else. I mean, how about on your book? How much of the editing did you do compared to the publisher? Oh, we did all that. You did all. We that. did all that. Yeah, editing. we did all the editing. Oh. Yeah, I think it's also like because we work together collaboratively, it's it's a little bit easier for us to edit our own work because it works in different stages and we each do our own edit and then we come together with those edits and put them together. So I think because there's two people involved, it's a little bit easier than if we were on our own. On our own, yeah. But don't you have one brain at this point? Something like one um, brain? <laughs> no. No? Uh, I would like to think not because no. <laughs> you now you're not IPG is kind of taking a little bit of a break you're gonna work on your own stuff uh yeah yeah, yeah. we're working on our own and individual how does that, work now how does that feel is it liberating or is it it's it's exciting yeah you know I mean it's always good to keep things fresh um 
But and was that it was just a purely we just we want to do something else and we'll come back to this later. Or do you have like do you have no idea? You just have well, we don't we don't have any new ideas. Let's go do our own thing. No, we we actually yeah. do have a few ideas that uh-huh. we would want to work on, but I think um, when when you kind of grow together or you work together for a specific amount of time, you need to kind of go out into the world and bring something back to this space in order to to kind of cultivate more growth. You right. know, you you know, I think there might be a tendency to get stuck. Um, and we also wanted to use IPG as a space where we don't have to be afraid to make any mistakes. Uh, it's a it's a space where we can we can just explore our ideas. Um, you know, it's a, it's a space where we can fail. It's a space where like you're just free to do whatever you feel like doing. Right. You know. Um, when it comes to your own work, I think that becomes, even if you don't want it to be, you, you, you automatically become like self-conscious and like extremely critical and your ego gets in the way. Your ego definitely gets in the way. Um, you know, some people might say it doesn't, but you know, I think subconsciously it might affect Yeah, I'm sure it is. I mean, I think that's one of the, uh, the key something I think about a lot, a lot is like I, when I'm editing, I'm pretty, I'm pretty stubborn, <laughs> you know, and yeah. I want, I feel like I want to be in control, 100% control of everything. Mm-hmm. So to me, to go out and get um, like outside feedback on a book dummy, it's, it's very refreshing for one thing, you know, I enjoy it because a lot of times my hunches I have or I had about the work are confirmed by people I respect. And when that happens, that's great, but it's better when they see stuff that you don't see. Like, right. Oh, yeah. there you go. That's cool. You know? right. And I think it really comes down to trusting people. Yeah. Yeah. And they have to like, you know, they gotta have somewhat like the work. There's gotta resonate with it. Definitely. But I think at the end of the day, I would be with you. I mean, I have to. The final kind of thing is my say. You mm-hmm. know. I mean, if I'm self-publishing, if somebody if somebody else wants to publish it, by all means, do whatever they want. But, yeah. You know, but I, I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we also view ourselves as bookmakers. Uh-huh. So we enjoy the process of editing. We enjoy the process of laying out the page. We enjoy the process of selecting, you know, I guess you could call us geeks in a way, but I mean, you know, we like, you know, to, to choose, we, we like to make the, the, the actual um, book. Right. Uh, so I think it, it, it's also like, you know, there's some people that, don't don't really care too much, you know. They they'll just you they know, just want to take the photos. They know? just want to take the photos, and I mean that's fine too, you know. There's no, I don't think there's a right or wrong way to make anything. No, absolutely not. I mean, I I hundred percent enjoy Tom. You know, we're out, I'm, we're out taking pictures all the time. I don't know if you guys, you know, we I walk every single day. I go, you know, and take pictures and. <laughs> But that can be maddening too, because what am I doing? Just it never it. ends. It never ends, and <laughs> never end. yeah. you know. But you keep you keep taking the photographs, and to me, it's like building that archive too. And I kind of keep that in focus. Just like keep building it and get stuff, because once you have that massive, I have that massive material, then I feel I can start to see better. Mm. Mm-hmm. I see myself once I have a big. I start to see what I'm actually doing as a photographer, mm-hmm. and like that's the, that's really tough to see your little turns and you're you know evolving your style or you're starting to do something you're trying you know you're following a hunch or whatever and to mm-hmm. see where it goes mm-hmm. i mean I, I i think you have to my feeling is you, you have to edit so much that you just are so sick and tired of your own photographs that you make you <laughs> nauseous yeah oh de- de- <laughs> definitely and it's yeah. like uh, if you don't have any help like, like for i can only speak for myself but like Certain images have some sort of significance to me and nobody else. Right. And I might want to put it in a, a series and it just doesn't work. But in my mind, it works only because of the fact that I experienced the process of making that photograph within a specific time and space, you know, so. You're familiar with the con- context of exactly, that. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, you know you might be emotionally attached to it and, and you just say, oh, I love this picture, I yeah. can't get rid of it, but it doesn't make sense because you're, you're just too close to the project and you know you might have a hard time taking a step back and looking at it as like right. a third person. Something I like to do is I'll just do, I'll just, I'll, I call it like doing a real like 
jerk asshole edit. Like if I'm an asshole to myself, like here's just, <laughs> you go through and you just cut out, here's the stuff you actually like without any like harm. And I just have the entire mess and like, here's the stuff I actually know, you know, I won't, you know, mm -hmm. it's good. Otherwise I delete. And that's a good exercise for me. Cause then it gets into like, okay, you're not as terrible as you are right from in the mess. Maybe if you edit it a little bit better, I don't know. I love editing. I, to me, it's endlessly fascinating. I mean, there, there's a, definitely a creativity to editing. And it's yeah, a, I think it's a huge part of photography. Cause mm -hmm. A lot of people just give up on it, too. Yeah, a lot of people give up on it. And, you know, I, I believe anybody could take a beautiful picture. Right. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, I think my dilemma, or not, maybe not dilemma, but this is like, because I enjoy taking the pictures, but I also enjoy messing around on the internet, finding found images, and doing all that stuff. But man, I just can't sit inside, because I work a full 50 hours a week, so I'm in front of the computer, and then if you come home and you do your art and you're in front of the computer, computer it's kind yeah. of, I have to get out into the world when I can. Definitely. So even these days, I start, you know, I walk at night, I get home, and I, so now I have to shoot at night, because when mm. else am I, I going to do it, you know? Well, that, that, that's just Forces like an automatic, like, aesthetic that's, that's been put upon you yeah. for your situation, and it, it, I'm sure it's going to work out. No. Yeah. At least they get to exercise. Or I hope it's going to work out. Which is the main part of it. You got to walk or die at this point. You get to exercise, you're going to croak. <laughs> Anyways, so what's... Uh, What's next on the horizon? What's next on the horizon? Um, what, do you, what do you mean? In terms I don't of know. Work? What are you doing? You're working on, you say you're each working on your own projects. Or you have your own book coming out. Or are you going to do a bunch of them or nothing? Well, we have our own work uh, that we're working on at the moment, our individual projects. Are you keeping it top secret? I am keeping it secret for a while for a number of reasons. That's good. Yes. Mm -hmm. We're intrigued now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we have time to, yeah, to, I don't to think tell we the have, story. No, yeah. I don't think we have time to tell the story, but I, I mean, for all of you out there, I've, I've told Brian what my next project was going to be. Um, I don't know if it's going to be the next one. Who knows? Yeah. It's going to be something different that I haven't done before. Uh, I think we should keep it a mystery. And the next one we have you come yeah, back. I think we'll, that's we'll, a good idea. We'll let's do it. Dive into it, huh? Yeah. yeah. Thanks, let's, guys. Let's keep it a mystery. Two great books, three great books. Yeah. It's been fun. Yeah. Thanks Welcome for having us. Until next time. Until next time. We appreciate your support and hope you continue to enjoy the show. If you have any questions, please feel free to send them to info at lpvshow.com or connect with us on Twitter at LPV Show. The LPV Show is executive produced by Brian Formals and Tom Starkweather. Our score is by Tom Starkweather, who also mixes the show. Special thanks to Eddie Volante and Brett A. Davis. Thanks for listening.